If you've been looking for a comprehensive Bible school curriculum that explores redemptive realities in Jesus Christ grounded in the Word of God, look no further. The goal of this podcast is to spread the life-transforming Word of God throughout the world for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ in what Jesus has accomplished for us through His death, burial, resurrection, and seating at the right hand of God the Father. There's such an untapped potential for Christians to enter into their glorious inheritance in Jesus Christ. Together we will discover what Jesus has done for us by providing such a great salvation and how to appropriate the promises of God in our lives. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 31, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Each podcast season will cover one of the books that I have compiled over the years. You can find a complete listing of my Christian education material on my website at www.wordinspire.com. You're welcome to download these ebooks for free in PDF format for your own personal or ministry use. So let's explore these biblical truths and principles together that will absolutely transform our lives. God bless. Welcome to the Word of Life study series, Faith That Moves Mountains. Faith is the key that unlocks God's power that is stored in His Word. It releases the treasures of God's wisdom and ability to move any mountain, meet any need, and defeat any demon. Until faith is introduced and mixed with the Word of God, it remains dormant. When the believer applies these principles of the law of faith to the Bible, heaven comes to earth. The Sword of the Spirit. Our primary spiritual offensive weapon is the Word of God. It is the key to winning successfully. Our objective is to get the Word of God in our heart and out of our mouth. Waving the Bible in the air is not wielding the sword of our spirit. Only when we speak that word out of our mouth in faith does it become the ultimate weapon in the universe. Ephesians 6.17 Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 10.3 For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Revelation 19.13 He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Spiritual warfare is a war of words, not guns or planes, but the clashing of words in the spiritual realm. It is through words that spiritual authority is released. Jesus gave us the keys to the kingdom that whatever we bind or loose on earth will be done in the atmosphere above us 
where the prince of the power of the air operates, Matthew 18, verse 18, and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it states, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Spiritual warfare is a war of words. Did you know that every person has a spiritual sword? It's that red thing in our mouth called the tongue. When words are formed in the mouth and spoken, they produce life or death, healing or injury. Whenever we hear the words of God, they produce faith and hope. But when we hear and accept the words of the enemy, they produce fear and doubt. Proverbs 18.21 The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 and 25, verse 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow is the man who gives false testimony against his neighbor. Psalms 149.6 May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. Psalms 57 verse 4 and 64 verse 3 I am in the midst of lions. I lie among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim their words like deadly arrows. God's word is the ultimate weapon in the universe. God's word is a fire. Fire in the Bible is referred to as an act of judgment and purification. Just think of it. As the word of God is being spoken, the fire of God consumes the enemies of God and purges our life. Jeremiah 23 verse 29. Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord? In chapter 20 verse 9. But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. Hebrews 12 verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us worship God acceptably, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. 2 Peter 3.7 By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. God judges the world and us by his word. All judgment will be carried out by what is written in the Bible. 
If we would judge ourselves by God's word, we would not come under judgment. Jesus said in John 12:47, As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For the believer, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ according to 2 Corinthians 5.10. We will be judged not for salvation, but faithfulness to the word of God in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 12. If any man builds on this foundation of Jesus Christ using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. The Bible speaks of the Spirit infilling as being baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire in Matthew 3.11. I believe that the fire of the Holy Spirit is to speak the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit's unction is what causes the gospel to be proclaimed with power and authority. Acts 2.41 and chapter 4 verse 13. In Acts chapter 4 verse 31, it states, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God's word is like a hammer. When it comes to cracking some hard nuts, God's word is more than able to do the job. According to Hebrews 3.12, a sober warning is given about the deceitfulness of sin. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. When we think of a hard heart, our minds may picture the worst sinner on earth and say, there is someone with a hard heart. However, the above scripture states that, see to it, brothers, speaking of Christians having a hard heart, the practice of sin will harden anyone's heart, saint or sinner. If you or someone else has this kind of a condition, there's only one thing that can penetrate, the hammer of God's word. Jeremiah 23:29. Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord? and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. Ezekiel 11.19 I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people, and I will be their God. Hebrews 8.10 This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. James 1.18 He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. God uses his word to break stony hearts and bring the new birth to the sinner or a new life to the saint. He also uses that hammer to chisel his character and nature on the tablets of our heart. He inscribes the new covenant in our spirit like he wrote the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets. 2 Corinthians 3.3 Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Remember the parable of the sower that Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 8. He said that some people have a heart that is hard as a sidewalk. We need the holy jackhammer of God's word to break that hard heart apart. It's better to fall on the rock and be broken than to be crushed by it according to Matthew 21.44. Selah. So let's get hammered with the word of God.
the water of God's word. We all know by Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 that salvation is obtained by grace through faith. The rules don't change once we get saved and start living for God. It takes faith to release God's grace in order to live for Him. The grace we need to live the victorious Christian life comes from God's word. Grace is the power of God at work in us who believe. Acts 20.32 Now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. To live the holy, sanctified, set-apart life of a disciple of Christ, it takes the power of God's word, not the worthless works of religion and man-made traditions. The word of God is the key to sanctification. Colossians 2.23 Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. As I've been saying, the key to sanctification is God's word. Water is a type of the word because it purifies, refreshes, and sustains life. If we can't go without water for very long, how much more do we need to drink from God's holy written word continually? Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. By implementing the word of faith principles in Romans chapter 10 concerning the scriptures that cover sanctification, holiness will result in a transformation by grace. To put on Christ and to clothe ourselves with the new creation as spoken of in Ephesians 4.20-24 and Colossians chapter 3 verse 1-14, through 14, we must put the word in our mouth and in our heart. Let's put the creative power of God's word to work in our life. Romans 12.1 Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Hebrews 10.22 Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. The Rod of God's Word God uses His Word to correct His children not trials, tests, and temptations, though he will work the good out of those things. Some people have the notion that God and the devil work together to perfect the believer through crisis and tragedy. Nothing could be further from the truth. Good God versus bad devil. Simple theology. But if we get them confused, we will find ourselves in a heap of trouble. John 10.10 Jesus said the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. James 1.17 Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Various portions of Scripture point out the value of trials and tests, but only if we overcome them by acting on the Word of God. We can have a mile of trials and not grow an inch unless we are putting the Word into practice in the midst of the trial, because trials, tests, and temptations are from Satan and are out to destroy our faith and us in the process. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 1 through 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 through 3, and James chapter 1 verse 13 to 15. 
You could walk a mile of tests and trials and not grow an inch unless you act on the word of God in the midst of those trials. One final point. I personally believe that most problems in a believer's life originate from actions and decisions he or she makes. It's too easy to blame the devil or reason that God and his sovereignty is trying to teach us some deep spiritual truth through this sickness or accident. For example, we could have avoided a lot of grief in our lives if we had not maxed out our credit cards, dated that unbeliever, got mad and offended at that person, and on and on it goes. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 and 8. In reality, we are personally responsible for a lot of things. Sure, the devil does come in and attacks us when we are walking in God's will. However, let's not be so quick to rationalize our problems on someone else. Let's not be found guilty of accusing God of either directly or indirectly being in league with the devil to teach us something. God uses his word to teach his children. If your child disobeyed you, would you put cancer on him or her? Make them crippled or break their leg? No way. The authorities would put you in jail for child abuse. Yet some misinformed Christians think our loving Heavenly Father treats his children that same way. Yet someone might argue, but God is not like us. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than ours. He reserves the right to be mysterious and sovereign. Well, for one thing, that quote is from the Old Testament addressing backslidden Israel, who was spiritually dead. For us in the New Covenant, we have the mind of Christ. Jesus calls us friends and the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. Jesus addressed this kind of erroneous teaching in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? We have just established the point that God does not initiate trials, tests, and temptations to discipline or teach his children. Thank God he can salvage and work the good out of a situation so that it is not a total loss. That is not God's best, though. How much better would it be for us just to read the Bible and heed its warnings, instructions, and admonitions and avoid tragedy altogether? Remember, God uses his word to train and discipline us in order to produce a harvest of righteousness in our lives. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4 through 11. Isaiah 11, verse 4. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be in his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Psalms 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 1 Timothy 4.8 For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So God uses the rod of his word to train us. God's word is medicine. When we get attacked in our bodies, we instinctively reach out for some medicine to ingest into our body. I believe that doctors, hospitals, and medicine are a tremendous help to suffering humanity. I believe in those natural means to receive help for my physical body. But I trust in God most of all. Thank God for his healing word. It is medicine to all our flesh. Proverbs 4 verse 20. My son and daughter, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. 
Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a person's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So according to the Bible, God's word is health to a person's whole body. Let's look at the Hebrew word for health. Curative, a medicine, a cure, deliverance, healing, remedy, sound, wholesome. Therefore, we can say that the Bible is God's medicine. It is life to those who find them, and we eat them through meditation, speaking the word out of our mouth continually. God's word is a living, powerful force that will consume any form of death that may be at work in our body. Sickness and disease is just a form of death. If left unchecked, it can lead to physical death. Jesus conquered death through his redemptive work 2,000 years ago, Hebrews 2 verse 14, and 1 John 3 8, and 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 50 to 57. Jesus is the word of God made flesh according to the gospel of John in chapter 1. When we receive and abide in God's word, we are abiding in the resurrected Jesus, full of life and God's power, John 15, 7. Psalms 107:20. He sent his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Exodus 15:26. The Lord said, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not permit any of those diseases to come upon you that I permitted to come upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. The three scriptures that we just mentioned have the word health, healed, and heals refers to the Hebrew redemptive name of God, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals you. God's primary way of healing is through faith in God's word. God's word contains the power to heal our hurting body. So the Hebrew word Rapha means to mend by stitching to cure, heal physician, repair, thoroughly make whole. In John 6.63, Jesus said the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Matthew 8.14, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. God's word contains the power to heal our hurting body. You may be asking yourself, well, how do I take my medicine? When you go to the great physician, Jesus, for healing, he will prescribe for you to ingest his word on healing day and night until your healing manifests. He will also tell you to continue in his word in order to keep the condition from ever coming back on you again. As you meditate, which means to mutter and speak his healing scriptures, they will eventually get into your spirit where faith will grow and release the healing power of Jesus into your body. Here are some scriptures about meditating on the word. Psalms 1.1 Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Joshua 1.8 Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. 
Colossians 2 verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And then Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. God's word is incorruptible seed. We have been saying all along that the Bible is no ordinary book to the believer. Unlike a magazine, newspaper, or history book, the Bible is a living force of God, spirit life. The Bible requires one ingredient that will release the power of God in our life. Without this vital element, the Bible would appear to be just another religious book, dead and lifeless. That key component is faith. Faith is the key that unlocks God's power that is stored in His Word. It releases the treasures of God's wisdom and ability to move any mountain, meet any need, and defeat any demon. Until faith is introduced and mixed with the Word of God, it remains dormant, but pulsating with power. When the believer applies these principles of the law of faith to the Bible, heaven comes to earth. Hebrews 4.12 For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Acts 7.38 Moses was in the assembly in the desert with our fathers, and with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai, and he received living words to pass on to us. For the word of God is living and active. Just as the potential for life is within a natural seed, so the word of God is waiting to germinate, and produce life in the heart of the believer. Certain conditions in the natural must be met before a seed will grow and develop to its full potential, like soil, water, and sunshine. So it is with God's incorruptible seed. Faith, the spirit of a person, and God's grace are required. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5 What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. The seed is the word of God. The seed is planted through the preaching and teaching of the word. Romans 10 verse 14 to 17 and chapter 15 verse 15 to 20. The seed is watered through the teaching of God's word. Acts chapter 18 verse 24 to 28 and chapter 11 verse 19 to 26. It is only by God's grace and the Holy Spirit that makes the seed grow and produce the fruits of of eternal life in the life of the believer. Let's now look at the explanation of the parable of the sower that Jesus gave us in order to illustrate this powerful truth. Luke chapter 8 verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they cannot believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a little while, but in time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, hear the word, retain it, and by perseverance, produce a crop. The seed of God's word is sown into the human heart whenever it is heard. As we have just read, the condition of a person's heart will determine if that seed will grow and produce a harvest. 
What I want us to appreciate is the fact that the seed has the power within itself to bring about its own fulfillment and produce after its own kind, as long as the conditions of faith are operating in a good and noble heart is present. God's grace will bring the increase and harvest in time. Let the word do the work. Jesus said his yoke would be easy and his burden light. However, without faith in God's word, that would be impossible. So often we rely on our own natural resources and efforts to get the job done. Natural skill and resources are limited, but all things are possible to them who believe. The Father wants his children to enter into rest by sowing his word in our lives and allowing our faith to bring substance to the things we hope for. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest. There you have it. God has made provision for his children to enter into rest and into his provision. In Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2, God has given us his exceedingly great and precious promises. How are they appropriated into our lives? That question will be covered extensively later on in this season. Finally, I would like to illustrate two spiritual laws found in Genesis that will summarize the eternal truth of the incorruptible seed of God's word. The first law is, everything produces after its own kind. There is a natural side as well as a spiritual side to this law that God has set in motion in Genesis chapter 1. The seed of every living thing is within itself to reproduce itself. Trees produce trees of the same species. A bird and a fish cannot reproduce together. Jesus said that in a spiritual context, the seed is the word of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 11. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said to man, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. Jesus said in John 12:24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Suppose we wanted to plant a garden, and in that garden we wanted to plant some wheat. So what would we need in order to plant wheat? Well, wheat seed, of course. We can't take rice seed, plant them, and expect to receive a harvest of wheat. The Bible contains all the seed of God's promises and provision for our life. However, to meet a specific need, we need to find a specific seed to meet that need. If our body is in need of physical healing, we must find healing scriptures and plant them in our heart through faith principles. That healing seed will grow in our hearts and produce and materialize in time. If we need more of God's peace in our life, let's not focus our time and energy on planting sanctification seed, as important as that is. It's the same as planting rice seed and expecting wheat to appear. Sow the type of seed to meet the specific need. The reality is that we have to plant before we receive. Not walking in love and holiness can short-circuit our faith. I am making the assumption that we are walking in the light of God's word concerning those areas. Isaiah 55.10 As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, 
and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me void or empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The second law of Genesis is that as long as the earth endures, there will be seed time and harvest. Notice the scripture does not say harvest then seed time. Before every harvest, there is always a season of planting. This principle is true in the spiritual as it is in the natural. To reap a spiritual harvest, spiritual seed must first be planted. The seed is the word of God. Sow the word in your heart through faith and reap a harvest of God's wonderful provision for your life. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasant aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. The spiritual law of sowing and reaping not only refers to speaking the word of God, but also to our own actions as well. Every act has a corresponding consequence, good or bad, over time. Galatians 6 verse 7 Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Matthew 26.51 One of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Before any Christian received salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, the seed of God's word was first sown in their hearts. Someone preached the word on salvation to them according to Romans chapter 10, verse 14 to 15. Remember, we cannot reap a spiritual or natural harvest until we first sow the seed specific to the need. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Jesus said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. God's word is incorruptible. That means it can never change, be altered, or perverted in any way. I would encourage you to read all of Psalms chapter 119. The whole chapter is devoted to glorifying God for his internal word. Our first experience with this life-giving seed was in the new birth of our human spirit. We had mentioned earlier that salvation experience is precipitated by the planting of God's word in our heart. It is that same word of salvation that produces the fruit of eternal life in our spirit by the Holy Spirit. James 1.18 He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. There might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23 For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, 
but the word of the Lord stands forever. Mark 13.31 Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away, Jesus said. Psalms 119 verse 89, verse 152, and verse 160. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Long ago I learned from your statutes that you established them to last forever. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. God's word can't fail. We just failed to work it. The Bread of Life As natural food is to our body, so the word of God is to our spirit. As a minister once said, People wonder why they don't have any faith to receive from God. They feed their body three hot meals a day, but their spirit one cold snack a week. God's word is our primary source of spiritual nourishment. The word of God is our bread of life. Matthew 4.4, Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Natural food contains energy called calories. When we study the food cycle, all our food sources come from the sun's energy. That awesome power is converted into biological matter that sustains life on this earth. We have read in Hebrews chapter 4.12, For the word of God is living and active. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is God-breathed. The Son of God shines His light and breathes His Spirit into the word of His grace, and it's alive and full of life. It releases spiritual calories that are converted into spiritual energy for us to live and move and have our being, according to Acts 17.28. Job 23.12 I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Jeremiah 15.16 When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. Food is the substance that gives life and energy and speaks of sustaining power. God's word produces the same effects for our spiritual life, which encompasses our whole being and destiny. Notice by these scriptures that it involves an act of our free will to open our mouth and eat. But it's easy when we are eating the honey of God's word, our joy and our heart's delight. Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 8 and chapter 3 verse 1. You must speak my words to them whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll. Then go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Psalms 119.103 How sweet are your promises to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalms 19 verse 9. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Don't worry about becoming overweight with God's word. It does not have the same negative effects as obesity does in the natural. As a matter of fact, the scripture admonishes us to be full of God's word. Physically, we cannot live on a few snacks a week. We can't afford it spiritually either. To be equipped and nourished spiritually is more important than it is for our physical bodies because to be spiritually sound has eternal implications. A spirit depleted of God's word is a weak, feeble, and frail spirit unable to deal with life's issues that confront us. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let us approach the banquet table of God's word with a hearty appetite and eat our fill of his salvation. The Bible is our source of spiritual food and nourishment for the new babe in Christ and the mature believer. There is always something good to eat in heaven's kitchen. We feed our spirit by meditating upon the word of God. In our Western world, we are the fastest readers on the earth. Like the rest of our culture, everything is fast, quantity without a whole lot of quality. Bible meditation is not to be confused with false Eastern religions. Rather, it speaks of a slow, savoring process that submerges oneself in the Bible to extract spiritual truth by the Holy Spirit. Simply put, to meditate on the Bible is to speak it out of our mouth so we can hear it, according to Romans chapter 10, verse 7 through 8, and verse 17. Remember how mom would tell us at the dinner table? Now you need to chew each mouthful 20 to 30 times before you swallow. The wisdom in these words kept us from having an upset stomach. The Bible needs to be approached the same way. Give yourself lots of time and do not get in a hurry. Try not to set some sort of artificial quota for yourself, 10 pages in 10 minutes. Allow yourself time to read each verse and chew on it in order to extract all the wonderful revelation before you move on to the next bite. So the word meditate in the Hebrew means to murmur or to ponder, imagine, speak, study, talk, and to utter. We need to eat the Bible like a cow eats grass, graze in the pastures of God's word, chew it in your mouth and heart for a long time, bring it back up later on and chew on it some more. Be prayerful as you read the Bible. Ask the Holy Spirit for understanding and revelation. Reflect, resonate, savor, relish. Mutter and speak God's word. Take it from Betsy. Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. So Bible meditation plus careful application equals prosperity and success. God's word is spiritual light. Just as natural light reveals this natural world, so the word of God reveals the kingdom of God to us. We can walk with God and not stumble around in ignorance. The measure of God's word that we are walking in and living in from day to day is the measure of spiritual light we are currently walking in. Without the Bible, God is extremely limited in revealing himself and his kingdom to us. God's word enables us to see clearly as things really are, not as they appear to be to our five physical senses. Psalms 119.130 in the Amplified, The entrance and unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding, discernment, and comprehension to the simple. The Hebrew word for entrance means disclosure, opening, open wide, appear, break forth, and draw out. The Hebrew word for light is illumination, lightning, bright, clear, daylight, morning sun. And the Hebrew word for understanding means to distinguish, consider, discern, inform, instruct, and have intelligence, knowledge, and perception, to be prudent, skillful, and to think. Think and view and deal with things wisely. God's word imparts knowledge and understanding concerning God, ourselves, and the world we live in. Revelation is the unveiling of truth that enriches our lives to know the Lord and walk in his ways. 
There is no other source of written material that has divine inspiration like the Bible. It is our source for all truth, as Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The Bible does not just have truth. It is the truth, through and through. Let the word turn the lights on in your life. Luke 2.28 Simeon took him, speaking of Jesus, in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. God's light shines through his word and drives the darkness of ignorance, confusion, and hopelessness out of our lives. This light produces life, or salvation, and freedom that translates us from the authority of darkness into the kingdom of light of God's dear Son. Colossians 1 verse 12 through 14. The entrance of your words gives light, according to Psalms 119-130. Knowledge of God through his word produces light. What a wonderful treasure we have, storing up the knowledge of God in our hearts, that we may be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Colossians chapter 2 verse 2. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Psalms 119.105 Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Psalms 43.3 Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. You see, the Word of God is a light that guides our life along the path of eternal life. It is our only source and final authority for all matters that pertain to life and conduct. The Bible will always lead us into the presence of God to receive salvation and all things that pertain to life and godliness. In Matthew 7 verse 13, Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. One step out of God's word is one step into the darkness of error and deception. Stay with the word, and do not embrace the philosophies of men and the lies of this world. The Bible is our only source to lead us to God, and to understand his kingdom. All we need to know about spiritual revelation is found in the Bible. When people start seeking revelations that are beyond the word, They are in dangerous waters. Satan is known to appear as an angel of light, to distort scripture, and provide counterfeit revelation to deceive people from knowing the truth. 2 Peter 2 verse 1, 1 Peter 4 verse 1, and 1 Corinthians 4 verse 6. Get full of God's light by getting full of God's word. The word of God is our treasure chest, which reveals the mystery of Christ Jesus in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, according to Colossians 2.3. Consider the Bible as the gold mine of God, full of precious gold and rare jewels. Through prayerful study and meditation in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit will lead us to the treasure and write them upon the tablets of our heart. 
Our lives will be enriched, and we will prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers with the Word of God. 3 John verse 2 God has no greater joy than to see His children walking in the truth of His Word and enjoy His good and perfect gifts. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. 2 Corinthians 3.3 You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. We are enlightened by God's word. The word of God imparts wisdom giving light, spiritual illumination, and understanding to the eyes of our heart. God's word makes wise the simple. The Bible is full of light, giving light to the eyes, revealing truth and bringing forth understanding. Psalms 19 verse 7 The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Ephesians chapter 117. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets, in the deep and intimate knowledge of him, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light, so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you, and how rich is his inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. A spiritual mirror. Mirrors in the natural are used by us every day. They give us an accurate reflection of what we look like. Admittedly, a lot of times they're too honest. We have learned to trust them in that they portray a proper reflection of how we look from a natural standpoint. We have learned to appreciate and sometimes discuss the blatant honesty of a mirror. It reveals our good days and our bad days without any prejudice or bias. God's word is a spiritual mirror that reflects a spiritual image unseen to the natural eyes. This true image of who we are in Christ Jesus can only be seen through the eyes of God's word. This is the way God sees us and reveals our true standing and position before him through Jesus. James chapter 1 verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he'll be blessed in what he does. An important principle to point out in this scripture that we just read is that hearing the word of God without putting it into practice will not do us any good. Here are a couple of ways we could put God's word into practice in our life. First, by meditating on the promises of what God has given us through the redemption of Jesus. Second, obey any instructions concerning lifestyle, behavior, and attitudes. The latter is also accomplished through meditating on these very instructions. Then we will be blessed in all that we do. Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. 2 Corinthians 1, 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. 
and so through him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. There are thousands of promises in the Bible that describe our rights and our obligations, and the Holy Spirit-inspired scripture says that they are yes for us in Christ Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Colossians 2.3. For in him we live and move and have our being in Acts 17.28. In Jesus Christ, we have all things, can do all things, and are all things in him. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 to 22. Like what it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. James 1.17 Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Matthew 7.11 If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Romans 8.31 If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? 1 Timothy 6.17 Put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Unfortunately, with the help of religious tradition and backward society, many Christians end up having a distorted image of God and themselves. Like looking at those distorted mirrors in a funhouse, all twisted and out of proportion. Their minds are full of all kinds of goofed up and twisted thinking. But thank God if we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly according to Colossians 3.16, we can renew our minds, Romans 12.2, into the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16. This will result in a transformed life that will think right and believe right resulting in us receiving the right things in our lives according to God's will. 2 Corinthians 5.16 So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I would like to encourage you to start looking at yourself and others by their spiritual nature and through the eyes of God's word. Believe me, things will become much more focused and clear. Don't stop there. Go beyond just looking into God's word. Put God's precious promises in your mouth and in your heart. Start receiving God's provision of grace for every area of life. Life does not have to be the same. You can change and your circumstances can change as you learn to mix his word with your faith. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 through 3. Begin acting on and confessing God's word. And in time, your life will begin to be rearranged. Begin looking through the eyes of God's word. A solid rock on which to stand. All decisions and behavior are based on some kind of a belief system. 
The type of social, religious, or philosophical training becomes the cornerstones by which our lives are built. Unless our cornerstone is Jesus, life will be off base. I've been saying that God's word is our final authority for all matters that pertain to life and conduct. The Bible is the rock in which we build our lives. 2 Timothy 3.14 But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Psalms 119 verse 89, verse 152, and verse 160. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Long ago I learned from your statutes that you established them to last forever. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Great peace have they who love your word, and nothing can make them stumble. Mark 13 verse 31. Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. In the natural, the ideal foundation on which to build any structure is upon solid rock. The engineers will direct the construction crew to drill pylons deep into the ground until they can be anchored into sheer bedrock. This solid foundation stabilizes the structure against storms and earthquakes. When the believer learns to practice the word in every area of his or her life, that's building their house upon a rock. Regardless of the prevailing winds of false doctrines and crises, God's word sustains us and supplies the grace we need to overcome. Matthew 7 verse 24, Jesus said, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Luke 11.28, Jesus replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. James 1.25, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Human nature likes to procrastinate when it comes to Bible reading and meditation. However, it is often too late to build our faith in the midst of a storm. How much better to establish a lifestyle of building our lives upon a rock from the very beginning? It's no fun when our life crashes around us due to negligence or a lack of preparation. There is a higher realm of victory in God to live in. Rather than surviving in crisis mode, scrambling for answers and uttering desperate pleas for help all the time. Matthew chapter 26 verse 40 Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. 1 Corinthians 16.13 Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men and women of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. 1 Peter 1.13 and chapter 4 verse 7 Therefore prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. The end of all things is near. 
Therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Psalms 119 verse 9. How can a young man or woman of God keep their ways pure by living according to your word? Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. I trust that you have enjoyed this episode as we covered 11 different symbols of God's word that describe the awesome power and majesty of God's word. The rhema, spoken, and logos, written word of God. The Bible is meant to be meditated upon and applied in our life. That's when we come to know the truth, and the truth will make us free. I highly encourage you to continue listening to the Word of Life Study Series podcast and encourage your friends to tune in as well. The scriptures encourage us in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 to receive the message with great eagerness and to examine the scriptures every day in order to confirm the truth that you're hearing. God's word is our final authority for all matters that pertain to life and godliness. I'd like to close this episode by praying over you according to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when God raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And in chapter 2, verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Be blessed and see you soon.